The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And what people don't see at home, Will, is how bad I am at reading ads. Like, this is actually something I'm paid to do professionally, doing voiceovers and stuff like that. But something happens in the in the Tofop room when I'm trying to read a script. It doesn't work. Okay, so that is interesting to me. So, because uh, I sit here for it. Yeah. And I try to be encouraging because, firstly... People might have realized that you do a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to, you know, the ad reads for the shows. You're doing all the technical stuff. I'm mostly... Chipping in. I'm your sort of... Rest- Friday night funny man. I'm your wrestling commentator <laughs> yeah, who's yeah. just doing the reaction stuff. That's I'm right. just like, oh, oh, I can't believe you did that. That's yeah. basically my role in the ad reads is to bring a little color to the table. What would be great if like a wrestling commentator, mm-hmm. you were just deliberately kind of like supporting the villain, like taking a contradictory point of view just to kind of like give it some light and shade. Just mentioning... Heckling me, <laughs> basically. Bringing up opposition products. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are... Other other telephone networks, for example, might have been the ad that we just uh, read a few times. Yeah, no, sure. Look, we we to all the sponsors out there and potential sponsors, like you'll get, we'll get the job done. But yeah. there is podcast. Mike has a bucket of outtakes mm. of me stumbling over so many words and getting my tongue tied. I think it's it's something about the environment. Like when I'm in a booth doing a professional voiceover ad read, maybe mm. it's just my mind shifts. I'm like, well, this is professional job and so i'm gonna act real professional i'm gonna do some vo- vocal warm-ups and get really like focused on this but then i'm in here and we're joking and laughing and it's taking us 10 minutes to find the email and then i get started it's like i've got to bring more of that professional attitude to tofop i think well this is what i'm interested in because yeah. as you said podcast mike has often it'll come out when some disgruntled employee is fired from some show or you know that sort of thing they're yeah. suddenly the, that's when the peter russell clark tape right, just released. suddenly gets released you know the you know, fuck this fuck that donald trump allegedly saying the n-word on the set of the batch of uh, the apprentice which never actually came out but uh, apparently there is some recording somewhere podcast mike has that of you in particular and he could put together a very good goof tape of you trying to would it be funny though would it be funny to listen to oh no i'm thinking this is not funny no i'm thinking he's humiliating this, yeah just to humiliate you <laughs> he sends it he doesn't even release it publicly he just sends it to potential advertisers <laughs> i went to uh, a screening uh, sorry a rap party of, a, of an australian feature film uh-huh. And there was a particularly uh, a famous actor uh, involved in this film. I'll tell you about him off air mm-hmm. or her. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there was a sequence they showed because there's all the bloopers from the film. And it was, he had this big monologue, this kind of heavy monologue where, you know, had to be like old Mark and stuff. He or, or she. she. Yeah, he or she. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and uh, he obviously was like wanting to, you know, he was doing this monologue, but he was ad-libbing a little bit and throwing a bit of his own stuff in there. And this shit was not sticking. Like, his ad-libs were going nowhere. He was losing focus. He was mumbling. He was, like, asking for prompts constantly. And, like, it was two minutes of this. And the audience 
were dying laughing like all the crew and stuff were pissing themselves and I looked at this actor and he was not enjoying it <laughs> later that night he picked a fight with one of the grips <laughs> or she did or she did <laughs> But it was like, oh, man, that would suck. I mean, I've been to many rap parties where they've played bloopers and that I've heavily featured in. But this one in particular, I think because he was given it a little extra. Like, if you fuck up someone else's lines, then, you know, there's no responsibility. But this was him, you know, exposing something of himself. Like, he was drawing on something quite personal with these ad-libs and none of them were working. Well, that's the difference, isn't it? It's not you just fucking up. So, in your version... It's often it's complicated details from an advertising read. It's yeah. about deals or terms and conditions, and they're things that you actually have to say perfectly. You know, for the ad copy, it's not just riffing around. So, to be honest, if you fuck it up, you don't really feel like personally, other than you just having to do it again. There is any great, you know, opportunity cost. It's probably why. The stakes are much lower here. Yeah. If you're in a professional studio, you're on someone's clock, yeah. you're aware of the fact that, you know, if you don't get it done in a certain amount of time, that's your reputation. Next time it costs the company more money, they'll just get somebody who can nail it much quickly. You look at me and you're like, what the fuck was he doing? <laughs> Looks like he's still in his pajamas from last night. You've summed me up. <laughs> it does not matter if I fuck it up. The stakes are much lower, but it's also, it's not your original content yes so you're not attached to it yes this guy this actor who's like i'm not just an actor or actress or actress <laughs> i am a, a creator or yeah. creatress yeah and i'm going to speak from the heart here and he's he's my gold yeah i know this character i'm inside this character and yes there's words on the written page but i think what comes from my heart is going to be better than your art <laughs> but it turned out it was more a fart <laughs> This same dude once, I saw him at an awards show. Oh, do that. <laughs> oh, do that. And uh, was presenting an award for, uh -huh. for best director, I think it was, and uh, stormed out to the stage, scowling, uh -huh. uh, got up to the podium, said to the person running the audio queue, turn that off, I don't read words other people have written for me, I speak straight from the heart. Uh -huh. And then went on this like monologue about how, uh, you know, a director, a good director is an off, you know, standing on an ivory tower, barking orders, he's down in the trenches with the other soldiers getting down in the market. And it's just You like, know what I love about this story is- Or she. This, <laughs> he or she sounds exactly like Russell Crowe. Okay, <laughs> so- though. But it's not. Yeah. Because this is what everybody listening knows. Because if it were Russell Crowe, we would immediately go, I've got this great story about <laughs> Russell Crowe because that's what the podcast is. So it's somebody who acts very much like Russell Crowe but is not <laughs> Russell Crowe is what I'm getting from this anecdote. <laughs> or she. <laughs> I, think we've, I think we've covered all our bases there. Yeah, it's fine. So, okay. So you come in here, podcast Mike, yeah. you, you guys have a falling out. You have some big fight. And he just wants to Stitch ruin your... I fire him. Yeah. I fire, unfairly fire him for something. And he wants to just ruin your professional reputation. Yeah. So it's not about... Not a, I mean, it's pretty hard when you have no reputation to ruin. But within the industry, if you're doing voiceovers, yeah. and then suddenly a tape of all the stuff that you fuck up came out, wouldn't that ruin your reputation I a bit? I think so. I think if you say something on a hot mic that is like racist or misogynistic, mm. or that would ruin it. But... You not being able to pronounce like terms and conditions, I'd say that most like, you know, producers or, or agency producers who are, you know, doing radio copy would be like, well, that's all right. We like the sound of his voice. When he does nail it, it sounds good. Okay. So we're willing to put up with 
all that shit. I'd, I'd say yeah. so. Don't you reckon that would be the case? Like John Deeks, mm-hmm. like voice over extraordinaire. That is a one in a million voice. I would put up with. De- I mean, Deeksy does fuck up when he's done voiceovers for us. Yeah, but how often do you think Deeksy fucks up compared well, to how often you fuck up? Is it a similar amount? Like, or has he been doing it so I, long and is such a specialist no, I actually, that you could give him like one of our ads to read and he could immediately sight read it and nail it? I would say he would require as many takes as me. Whenever I've sent him, hey, we're doing this for a live show mm-hmm. or we need to refresh the intro, I would say it's normally three or four takes. that he'll Because he will misread words, he'll get the emphasis wrong, sometimes he'll pronounce things incorrectly. And is that him... But he'll send sending all, yeah. all of those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's sending the mistakes as well. Yeah. Do you remember like we the first live show, the second live show mm. we did, I played a whole compilation. I did what you're like hypothesizing podcast Mike would do. This podcast has eaten itself. Yeah. I played a tape. Pod will eat itself. I played a tape of all John Deeks's like him having a go at doing the intro for the live show and he kept stuffing it up because he pronounced one thing wrong and then he'd correct that and he'd pronounce something else wrong. And I think he even got the name of the show. Okay. So this is how good I think John Deeks is though. Yeah. I think he's doing that to make us feel good. I think that what actually happens is he goes into the booth Nails it first time and then goes, oh, shit. I can't. I mean, I've heard That's this. I've heard, I've heard this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Like, Don't did, embarrass him. Well, I don't. Because I would get. My confidence would go. Yeah. Because suddenly you're like, well, he makes it look so easy. Why is it so difficult for us? Yeah. So what he then does is he goes in and he records some bloopers and he actually sends those through just so we feel okay. I think even the live shows we've done- mm. Like he has kind of, I've seen him being like, like he's walking a tightrope because his A side of stage is very poorly lit. So he's trying to like announce <laughs> us and announce our guests and shit. Plus also do comedy. Then he'll come onto the stage in between all that and fucking like steal the show. But I was surprised by like, oh shit. Like even with how, you know, 30, 40 years of experience, like he still gets a new script and then stumbles through it. So I don't know. I think, I mean, I'll say, here's one thing I'll say. Working with you and working with Osha on Dad Pod. I do look at you guys and go, there is clearly a difference in radio experience in the way you guys and, and, and I perform. Like, I think, like, Osh is so professional. Like, Osh, we did an episode last week of Dad Pod that it was all jumbled because we recorded one bit and then we had a guest who was available, so we had to then go to that. So, Osh, Osh is, his brain is working a million miles an hour, but he's editing the show in his head. But his voice, like the sound of his voice, because he's talking the whole time, Still sounds like he's presenting the show and like sometimes I get confused. Is this like stuff that's going on air or is this just you talking to me now? Because he doesn't break stride. And you've also got that thing as well where once the mic is on, everything that you are throwing out is stuff that could potentially be used or worked into the show. You know what I mean? Whereas I sort of feel like that I still wait for green light, red light or something like (laughs) maybe that's like a a product of being an actor where there's Uh like there's like uh, action and cut. You know, whereas you guys are much more, you know, you're public speakers and you do radio where that is just more a free flowing thing. And it, it, once the mic is hot, then everything, you know, there's no, there's no, this is the show. Mulligans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's on. Hey, guys, the content producing minds are open. Grab your pickaxe and produce some content. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's, a, it's just a, a level of professionalism that you guys have that, I mean, I don't even know that podcasting is even a, a job, but I think about, you know, well, what am I, how could I get better at this? And I think I need more radio type experience, a more radio kind of uh, flow to the way I do do shows. Uh, 
No, you I don't, don't think? think you do. No, because you, you work in a like. I think one of the problems with you know a podcasting and when I did Earbuds, the you know documentary that Graham Elwood and Chris Mancini made about you know podcasting back in the day, in one of the bits they actually use of me in the documentary, I talk about the idea that you know podcasting is going to be this brilliant pirate radio thing until the big companies realize you know, how good it is and come in and ruin it. And I think that we are currently in that, that moment. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying it's being ruined, but it's that now battle for the ground is now bet- between big media companies in coming in with like big commercial shows, things that basically in the old days would have been radio shows that mm. they're now releasing as podcasts or the podcast charts are dominated by actual broadcast radio shows that people are getting paid, you know, hundreds of thousands, let alone millions of dollars to do with, you know, production crews and audio engineers and all these sort of things. And then they'll cut them up into, you know, 60 shows a week so they can, you know, boast that they dominate the listening market in the podcast world. That's not, that's not a podcast to me. That's a radio show that you just broadcast through. Like if, if, if I watch a piece of tenant on YouTube (laughs) Tenant isn't a YouTube clip. Yeah. It is a movie that I'm watching on YouTube. And it's the same with those radio shows. No, I think one of the great things about podcasting is that it doesn't sound like radio. Yeah. And it was one of my great frustrations getting back into radio that it can never be as fun as this. You can't, you immediately have to moderate what it is that you say. Yeah. And it doesn't allow you to kind of think your way through a conversation. Like you sort of have to have your points ready to go and fire them out. Whereas, you know, the long form conversation and the rough edges of around bringing up an idea, exploring it, maybe doubling back, pausing to think about it, all that kind of stuff is. Well, we've spent the first 20 minutes talking about your incompetence. (laughs) (laughs) What else would we have done on this episode? We got a great story about an Australian actor or actress. Actress, yeah. (laughs) You be the judge. (laughs) Hopefully they've got a name that could be a boy's name or a girl's name. (laughs) They do. Yeah. (laughs) I imagine they might because I think I've got a pretty good idea who it is. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I just Maybe it's just that self-critical thing. but And it's also like... Working with someone like Osh, whose voice, like well, Osh, yeah. Osh has a voice that's... Sa- He's got a professional broadcaster's Bro- voice. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I guess it's like the Bondi Rescue stuff. It's so familiar that sometimes I'm doing it, doing the show with him and I'm like, I, I sound like mumbly and whiny and like, I don't have that kind of... Well, uh, everyone brings different things to the table though, right? Yeah, I guess That's so. the whole point is that, you know, Osh brings... A lot, well, Deeksy, let's start with Deeksy, right? Like his great gift is that voice. The voice is what you're buying. Mm. If it takes him six goes to get it right, it like you said, does not really matter in the end. You're only going to use the one that was great. You're buying the voice. He doesn't have to write the lines. You don't necessarily... It wouldn't matter if he couldn't write anything himself or produce uh. anything himself. You could just buy the voice. Now, there might be also somebody in there who writes their own stuff. Maybe he writes his own stuff, you know, but then they bring that extra thing to the table. You go, well, his voice isn't quite as good as the other guy, but he'll write it all himself. It'll all sound like it's Mm. instinctively him. Everybody brings different things to the table. I have a terrible broadcasting voice. Like, my Mm. voice is unlistenable. Like, (laughs) terrible. Like, you know, it has none of that depth and resonance. And, like, I speak in half sentences and I'm fast and then slow and I get distracted. Like, terrible. But you hope that you bring 
something else to the table in content production that makes up for the fact that you don't have a very good broadcasting you, voice. Is it like hip hop where you have like, you know, a Dr. J and an Eminem? So one is right. kind of the bassier sort of like more resonant and then you got the other one sort of hitting like the hi-hat, you know, yeah. he's got the more high-pitched one. I'm Eminem, whiny. a whiny bitch, <laughs> an old a guy who's had a lot of success and can't stop whining about the fact that people don't respect it. It's funny, I actually, I had Spotify on random when I was driving over here and Stan came on. It's like, oh, I haven't actually listened to this in a long time. And you know what first struck me about that is that scribbling sound yeah. in the stand verses is so intrusive. Like, it's so horrible and dumb. And all I could imagine is like standing there with a giant oversized novelty <laughs> pencil because it's such a... It's Nobody such a, writes like that. Yeah, You're right. No, it's not like he's just like, what the fuck? It's a good point, yeah. actually. What the fuck is Stan from the stand clip? writing with a pencil to make that noise but like <laughs> a giant mr squiggle because what he's actually writing like when m is rapping it is quite intelligible mm. but the viciousness of how he's writing it there's no way it'd just be fucking lines on the paper but i just I, I just got me thinking about how the production of that song must have gone like at some point dr dre's like mm, it's missing something yeah pencil scratches mm. we need pencil scratches and i think that at the time probably sounded good but it's a bit like when you listen to any song pop song from the early 2000s there's always like a breakdown we hear a record scratch for, for no reason like it's just like we need a record scratch just before we go to the chorus record scratch so i think it's like uh, it sounds incredibly dated and almost like because the lyrics are so full on because that's the other thing i hadn't really uh thought about in a long time is like the content of what Stan is doing and, you know, his, you know, self-harm and then, you know, his girlfriend and all that kind of horrible shit that's going on. Then you got this big cartoon pencil <laughs> scratching over the top. It's like, it's just, I don't know. It was just, it felt like very juvenile in a way. Like, I guess he was a young man when he created this song. But also it's quite a complex song, but it, I mean, it's interesting to me now because now, the term Stan has become and it's almost part of the term popular of, lexicon. A term of affection. In a good way. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's it went through a transition where like Stan meant in internet culture, as far as I know, and again, I'm an old man trying to explain internet culture, but I believe it was memes. <laughs> and, and, uh, but like to stand something was to be a full-on fan of something. But yeah. it's softened and broadened in its meaning now, whereas people will use it in a – like I know, people who I wouldn't, stand yeah, Beyonce who wouldn't probably know the reference to the song yeah and wouldn't know that it's not a happy ending in the song well I, is it that or is it just maybe like people uh, were desensitized to like horrorcore kind of lyrics you know when this is a song about an obsessive fan who yeah. kidnaps I stand Beyonce in the way that I would like to write her some really really <laughs> obsessive letters and then kill myself <laughs> Well, it's also like it, the, the the last, the third verse or the, the verse where he's, he's recording it on the tape. Like it's actually the first two uh, verses are really quite affecting because it's, it's, you know, it's sad and it's this lonely guy, you know, who didn't know his father and you know, just identifies with Eminem so much and blah, blah, blah. And then the third act when he's in the car and he's recording the tape, I'm like, all right. Now it's become a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like now, shit, we need a device to justify how he can be in the car but still ride the lyrics. So we'll give him a tape recorder. We'll give him a tape recorder <laughs> and he's going to tell you exactly what, like, the, the, that last bit where he's like, oh, shit, I forgot. How am I going to send this shit out? It's like, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> why, Stan? Why did you say that? <laughs> well, it is the sort of thing that you might say. One might say in that situation. Just it, hadn't thought it through. But it has the unintended consequences of being kind of funny. <laughs> you're like, oh, Stan. Oh, Stan, always mucking up. You forgot that you're going to send the tape Good news out. is though that apparently they found the car, <laughs> found the cassette, and still sent it to Eminem. No, they didn't. That's the other thing. Oh, what is the, yeah, what's the plot device there? Well, because when he's saying, hey, listen, yeah. man, like you need to chill out and be nice to your mm. girlfriend and I'm sorry that I was late sending you the autograph, mm. blah, blah, blah. But you don't want to do crazy shit because I was reading uh, in the news the other day about this guy oh. who, oh, wait a minute. Hang on, that's right. I forgot. That's they right. said they found a tape. They didn't yeah. say who it was to. Come to think of it, it was you. It was you. You. <laughs> you idiot, Stan. How are we going to send that tape out? <laughs> Did you think about that? <laughs> it's lucky I happened to be reading news.com.au the other day. So what was Stan's plan with recording yeah. the tape? The Stan plan. The Stan plan. So his plan was to kidnap and yeah. murder him and his girlfriend, mm-hmm. right? And so he was going to record this final tape to say, you drove me to do this, yeah. M. Your negligence to your biggest fan. Yeah. But he must have had a plan for getting the tape out. If he's going to drive the car over the bridge, that's not... No, he not- didn't. He f- forgot about it. But he must have thought he about was- it because he bought the dictaphone. He bought the dictaphone. But he must have thought, he had to have thought yeah. it through, right? Like, I'm going to kidnap my girlfriend and she, I can't write while I'm driving, so I'm going to record the tape. Uh-huh. So he just didn't think through the end of it. I reckon he just had a lot on his plate. It's like, I'm going to have to find a bridge. Well, I'm sometimes he cuts himself just to see how much he bleeds. <laughs> the pain's like adrenaline. The adrenaline or something is like a pain, a sudden rush for him. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it holds up, that song. But it's, it does make me think that this was a pop song in the early 2000s with the most full-on, like, upsetting lyrics that people were kind of playing on the commercial radio and Elton John did a duet with him at the Grammys. and I mean, it's... I wonder if it would get cancelled now if you could release that song now, considering well, the subject kind of, matter. Like, but this is what he raps about. I've been uh, listening to the B-side to Music To Be Murdered uh, by, or whatever it is called. Um it, it, that double album because it's basically that's what it is it's a double album he's released like a second album but it's like a double album and it's I think it's actually probably his best work really now he just doesn't doesn't give a shit anymore he's just <laughs> he doesn't give a shit anymore but like as in like as in he's just he's not trying to have a number one single doing it for him right. to show off to just like go look at what I can do and every song is just like yeah squaring off with somebody like it, it, literally there's one track called Book of Rhymes I'm emptying out my Book of Rhymes and that's what it feels like you're like oh, he's just got all this stuff and he's just gonna use it and I love that but this was a different Eminem back then that's like a incredible story step mm. like it really is but do you think it would like do you think it would get like things get cancelled retrospectively all the time do you think if but I think he is like they've tried to cancel him so many times Columbine and mm. Ariana Ari Grande and every time that's just part of his shtick what do you mean Ariana what happened oh, there, every there was, he had a lyric about an Ariana Grande concert you know oh, right. where it blew the bombing up and, yeah like I mean you know he's got one on it's every kind of like do you think he's in South Park territory where it's like yeah. he's offended everyone can't so, cancel him yeah because he's cancelled himself numerous times. And his shtick is being that also. Like, unless something really terrible came out. I guess Marilyn Manson is a good example, right? Mm. Like, where if there was like real a life real people. life thing that had like a big well, case against him, then in that way. But I think through his art, can you, is there anything that Eminem could say now that he hasn't already said? No, I don't think yeah, you're there right. is. 
I mean, it is interesting. It got me thinking. We were talking last week about romper stomper, and you were asking that question about you know, um, uh, 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 Hando in romper stomper is such a charismatic character, and you sort of find yourself like, you know, not rooting for him, but at least like admiring him. He's so charismatic and stuff. And I was like, well, you know, we sh- we create art and we tell stories to explore everything right and sometimes the stuff that we want to explore is the darker side of life and that's clearly what stan is you know it's a story about like a super obsessive depressed kind of guy who does a terrible thing and the idea of canceling it because the subject matter as opposed to canceling because the intent of the subject matter seems crazy but i feel like we're sort of on that tipping point now where people are not differentiating between the intent of the thing that's being created and then the content of the so i think yeah, whether this is ret- retroactively or retrospectively, what I like about you know what he's doing with music to be murdered by and music to be buried by, I think is what they're called. So the whole conceit is that there's Alfred Hitchcock tracks in between, which are real. And what he's saying, at least to me, is I'm Alfred Hitchcock. Do you mean like yeah. I'm, I'm I create these murder stories, but I'm not a murderer. I create these, and like the whole idea of music to be murdered by is meant to say. This is not me being edgy, like I'm you know, actually murdering. I'm creating this universe where I can tell these you know, dark stories of my alter ego and all these sort of things and really putting it on front street that this is what it is. To the point where on this B-Sides album, he literally, one of his raps is just over the Alfred Hitchcock Presents theme. Like it's just a loop of that theme and he just raps over the top of it. And so I think he's created a world in which, like it's not like you watch Breaking Bad and think that Vince Gilligan, like... Is a yeah, meth dealer. He's a meth dealer, right? Like it's a world he's created yeah. that he tells stories within. And I think that's different to like somebody But there's always that moral reaction. Like there's a uh, I've been watching this um a documentary series on Netflix about video games and they one of the episodes is about when violent video games really took off with like Street Fighter and then Mortal Kombat kicked it up a notch and then Doom and first person shooters and stuff and you know, there was this kind of moral panic and, you know, they huge like Senate hearings in the US about classifications on video games. And they were speaking to all the creators who were all like young, predominantly men in, you know, the in the two in the nineties. And they were and saying two thousands. And the two thousands. Yeah, yeah. And also now. But they were sort of saying like in the same way that people freaked out about, you know, the satanic panic about heavy metal mm. in the seventies, they're like no, this is stuff we're interested in and it's an expression. And this is just, we grew up, you know, watching action movies and, you know, listening to like heavy metal and, you know, and horror comics and all this kind of stuff. And this, and this is, is our this point. Shit. This is the point we're making <laughs> is that we said that the music was no good and it's led to this and now it's led to these video games. You're proving our point. But there is this idea that one, they interview this one kid on the street who's playing Mortal Kombat and it's, it's like Fox News or someone. It's kind of trying to be a gotcha kind of thing. Like, you know, playing these videos, you get off on like killing people. And the kid's like, no, like this is where I come to let all that stuff out. But, you know, isn't it better that I'm doing it here than going into the street and like acting out those urges? I'm like, yeah, I kind of see a point to that. Yeah, I yes, I agree with that. But you got to let fantasy. But when does fantasy become reality? So this is a pretty dark topic. So I apologize that my brain's gone here, but I just think it's, if that's the logic, right, you give people this thing to be able to do at home so that they don't do it in real life. Um, there was a story recently about somebody who got arrested with a um, sex underage sex doll, mm. right? Now, 
the so the argument for not being able to do that is that it would might encourage that behavior that that normalizes you know, they it normalize it it mm-hmm. means that they get used to it in that situation then they might you know do it out in public right so that's kind of the same argument you know you can make the argument the video game argument of just going well like maybe this will just keep this guy at home you know doing this and he'll never you know hurt any real person mm. i mean it is I've played Grand Theft Auto, you know. Uh, I'm not a big gamer, but back, I think it was three or four, and I played that for days. And it does, when you come out of like an eight-hour session of playing Grand Theft Auto and you get behind the wheel of your car, like there is just a little moment of your brain readjusting. Like it's just it's it's just normal. I, I, I don't know what the answer to those questions are. Like it, they talk a lot about this with sex robots, like the idea if they have sex brothels. And it's like, well... Are we going to give these robots rights? Like, are we just going to say it's carte blanche? People can go into these like robot brothels because what are we saying about ourselves as a society that some things like we're going to Westworld it essentially? Like, you go into this area, is that do humans innately have darkness in them and need a release, or you know, do you? How do you? Like, there are people who like extreme things in their personal lives, right? And that's always about consent and having, like, safe words and all that kind of stuff. But there is a exchange here, two people collaborating. But if one person or one side of the thing is voiceless, then what does that unlock in the other person? I don't know. It's a... He's a dark subject. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a minefield. It's funny, I'll, uh, Grand Theft Auto, uh, we have on the PlayStation here, and we had a friend's kids over, mm. and, yeah, a mutual friend's kids over here, and they ended up with some other you know, young boys who were here playing Grand Theft Auto, way below the age that you should be playing Grand Theft Auto. I thought nothing more of it, but it turns out that like it made them heroes when they went back to school. Oh, really? Because I the, the, tasted the forbidden fruit. Yeah, they got to tell all their mates that they went to this place and they played Grand Theft Auto. And apparently it got brought up. So this is my favourite one is the kids were in class and a uh, policeman came to do a presentation. <laughs> Came to do a presentation to the kids, or it was one of the dads was a policeman. I can't, I can't remember what the context was, but there was a policeman in the class, and one of the other kids dobbed him into the cop. Wow, that snitch is going to get a stitch. I'm telling you right now. But what, why did what him dobbed him in is to say this kid was too young? Yeah, he's too young. He yeah, who's great. that kid? I want name and shame. <laughs> he played Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Apparently, he got fingered in class. <laughs> That's um that kid. What is his deal? Like, snitch, what kind of snitch? Yeah. Like what? I mean, what kind of environment that's what I is said that to the young boy who had watched who played Grand yeah. Theft Auto here? I said the, that's, that's the guy you have to worry about. Yeah, what, I mean, at that age too. Like, yeah. unless it's some kind of this history, there's some beef. <laughs> there's some beef between those two kids that he would snitch on him. But that seems like a very uncool thing to just tell a cop. Why would you just blurt that out, man? Dobbers wear nappies, man. What? Dobbers wear nappies. Is I, I never Do, heard that. Never heard that? Do, Dobbers wear nappies. Really? I don't think I've... No. That was big at our school. Is that not a... Dob- no, I don't think it's widespread. That's oh. a Hayfield thing. Really? Maybe it has to do with incontinence. <laughs> what a dairy you guys are drinking. <laughs> sorry. Lactose intolerant people wear nappies. I'm sorry. I've completely got that. Yeah, right. That sucks, man. I can't believe that that kid... I can't believe that that kid would, would do that. Have yeah. you ever dobbed on anyone? Um, it's funny. So during this uh, time, we have become a nation of cops and dobbers mm. uh, in Australia, and 
um, there's been a lot of people dobbing people then over COVID and, you know, breaching that. And then you have that argument in your head of going, well, I guess that's to protect the broader society. So do you have a moral responsibility to dob people in? Well, I, let's, let's, let's like, well, let's separate. I, I'm, I'm going to say the well, dob. I'm going to say this first and then you can okay. stipulate. I would say, and we can unpick this and find out that it's not true, but I would say I'm almost 100% not a dobber. Right. I just don't think I'm a big. I'm a real. I'm. You yeah no you I would I, I would don't believe that a, I, don't I don't think, think I'm a you dobber. tend to not involve yourself in other yep. people's business. Correct. You're you're a live and let live. As long as, as, long as it doesn't affect you directly, uh-huh. you're not like me <laughs> who patrols the <laughs> patrols the streets. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think like even in a, a childhood like a like at primary school if I ever dobbed anyone in I can't nothing comes to mind. I've called like when I've heard we had like shocking neighbors for a while who used to fight like cat and dog. And one night I called the police on on them just because there was a child in the house and I just wanted to make sure that like everything was all right. And um, when the cops came around, like we heard them because it's like two o'clock in the morning, the cops came around, they were screaming and yelling and slamming doors and shit. And the baby was crying. And so we hear the cops come in and they obviously separate them because it's a bit quiet. And then my phone rings and it's the cop. And he's like, hey, look, uh, look, I'm here with um, uh, so-and-so. And now can he's saying that she started it and she's saying that he started it. Can you uh, tell her? And I'm like, do not call me or drag yeah. me. Firstly, th- don't let them know. No, yeah, that's exactly right. There's only one set of neighbors in this building. There's only like, there's only three apartments in this building. So he had like a fairly good uh, chance of guessing who'd called the cops. And then he was like, okay, just, but just tell me, did you, did you hear? And I'm like, I'm like, this is your job. You're the cops. Like you, I did the right thing. I called you also, to come sort it out. Also, by the time I hear it, it's already started. Yeah. For it to be loud enough that I'm hearing it, it doesn't just jump in. It's like the, have you heard the song Stand by Eminem? <laughs> it starts quite reasonable, yeah. but then it gets real full on at the end. Well, the weird thing about these neighbours was that when I saw them on the stairs, it was always like smiles and happiness. Like you would not have known. Like it was it was like night and day. I don't know what the issue was. They eventually moved out and, you know, I, I don't know what happened to them. But it was one of those things where it's like, because they say when you hear situations like that, you should not involve yourself. Yes. Like the, the worst thing to do is actually go and knock on the door or, you know, you just call the police and let it happen. But what they don't say <laughs> is when you call the police, the police are going to fucking phone you directly and involve you in the case. I didn't realize that that was like standard operating procedure. Maybe if there are police listening to this, they can tell me, is that what you meant to do? I would like to think that I wouldn't walk past anything that really felt like, you know. That but that's, was- that's going to say, I was going to say, that's not dobbing. I don't think yeah. that's... I'm talking more the malicious, like, I want to, f- I'm going to fuck this person. I just don't think of, like, I'm racking my, and you know. Have you ever dobbed, like, like you saw your mate's girlfriend kissing someone else? No. Or you don't, wouldn't say anything? No. I don't think I have either. I mean, I'm sure. I feel In like fact, I- I've got an example recently right. of that. Um Oh, fuck, I can't bring it up in front of you. No. He or she. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, I do have an example because right. somebody sent incorrectly sent me a text message Uh-oh. recently that was not intended for me Uh-oh. and that was um yeah would have like was something that What's your moral obligation in that situation? No. Erase the message, never mention it to the person who sent it to me. If that person never, comes, I didn't even, don't even get back to the I never If that even, person comes to you and says, mm, "Look, it's all over. Mm, they told me that they accidentally sent you a message. Why didn't mm, you say anything, man? What do you say?" Never got the message. 
you lie <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i erased the message i never got the message none of my business don't care not mine i'm not getting you're very good at that about like not involving yourself i can't help i i feel a moral obligation to like get involved Gemma yeah. her, when she wants to make years fun of Catholic me, school that's yeah. what that is that's what Gemma calls me the priest yeah. she's like you're always like yeah. tying yourself with these moral quandaries yeah. and whether or not she, you don't have to get involved like you can just let it go you don't have to spend time on this but mm. I don't know I think it is like a, a Catholic thing it's like you know I, I, I concern myself with the feelings of others or, you know, their, their, their ability or their inability to deal with the situation. It's actually quite patronizing when I think about it. I don't grant people enough kind of common sense or maturity to deal with their own problems. I'm like, how can I help them through this situation? Well, yeah, but also there's just, I don't know. Like, I mean, I think my attitude to life is very much that I barely can get my own shit together. Mm. You know, that who am I to be the moral authority of like to jump in and tell somebody else how they should be doing something when I don't really know how to do anything myself? It's not, I don't feel the, I don't do that. I don't feel like I ever give people advice because I feel like I'm terrible. But I just mean in any situation, whether it was like, you know, say there was a bunch of people in the park and they left a heap of rubbish there. Yeah. I might possibly pick up the rubbish, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, you know, dob on, I wouldn't, you know, go dob them into someone or blah, 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 whatever. It's like there was one of the times I was down at the uh, park and this woman thought that I hadn't picked up like after Mm. the dogs. And I was so offended because I always do. Like I'm not that person. But also if I saw somebody else not doing it, I would never ever like go over and confront them or do anything else like that. I might like even pick it up myself if I. It's funny, isn't it? Like, You and I see the world very differently because I also would not do that. But I think that I, you seem to have this live and let live philosophy. And I feel like you put faith in that philosophy that it'll work out. If you go out with that attitude more often than not, it Mm -hmm. works out. Whereas I always feel like there is judgment coming from somewhere. Like, for instance, um, I had some more uh, stuff delivered to the house today and it's all in bubble wrap and... I've been trying to be very conscientious with my recycling and I know where there's a soft plastic recycling place I've got to drive out to. And so I had all this bubble wrap, but it was a shit ton. Like it was filled with my entire boot. And the place where I go to take the soft plastic wrap, it's just a little bin. It's for shopping bags and stuff. It's not really, I should be really going to the tip, but the tip's not open today. And so I was like, well, 98% of the time I take it to the tip. But yeah. it's soft plastic. This is just a lot of soft plastic. Yeah. And so I was walking there down the street, this big fucking giant ball of Isn't soft plastic. Amazing those who have the firmest views about <laughs> these things are also the people who are so willing to fucking break their own rules. That's not... But then I am taking soft plastic to a soft mm-hmm. plastic recycling place. That's ah, what they do. They recycle okay. soft plastic. I'm just taking a lot. Yeah. But in my head, as I was walking there... I was running like these scenarios of being confronted by the people who <laughs> work there. Like, what are you doing? That's too much plastic. Like, and I was like, why am I even occupying my thoughts with this? Yeah. Like, I'll just do it. I've made the decision. This is what I want to do because I can't be bothered going to the tip. I'm not going to wait till tomorrow. So you've made the decision. Just live with it. But I didn't. I just kind of like, I, I kept running these scenarios of like imagining like people coming out and confronting me. It's this weird sort of like battle between good and evil that plays out in my head. Yeah, I think in, in that situation, what's the worst thing that could happen? Someone yells at me for 
dumping and says you can't dump that plastic here. Well, but then even like even the idea that some stranger yells at you is like not a big deal. Who cares? Yeah, see, I hate it. I don't who like cares? being yelled at. Who cares if the dude from the plastic factory yells at you? I think that maybe all, all women. All women. All women. <laughs> I think that's a product of you being like a stage performer as well, as you're used to having all these kind of opinions. People yell at me. Well, People yeah. yell mean things at me. Well, you do have to tune. It is kind of true. But you have to tune that yep. shit out. Whereas right. like- You're right. I'm often like worried about This is what- decades of me being a divisive character yeah. and reading what people say about me online. But I, I care what the person, you know, who tears my ticket at the cinema thinks. I care what, you know, people yeah. I have a, a passing interaction with, I want them to think the best of me. And it's yeah. like- so even yeah. like if your I'm, self-worth hasn't been completely destroyed in the way that mine has. <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. A bit of bloody humiliation. Uh, Will, we've got some mail okay. to get to. Or female. Ah, nice one. Um, and if you want to send us a letter, <laughs> you can do that by going to tofop.com. And while you're there, why don't you check out some other great Tofop podcasts like Willosophy. Who's on Willosophy this week? Naomi bro? Higgins. Uh, you may not recognize the name Naomi Higgins, but I think she's going to be one of those people that you... Uh, are definitely going to know her uh, because she has a new show that is on ABC iView and uh, will be on Netflix around the world. It is called Why Are You Like This? It is an Australian uh, sitcom. Uh, she ha- created it uh, along with another couple of comedians, including uh, Mark Bonanno, who is her partner, and he is in uh, Auntie Donna, and he was, he's also a upcoming philosophy guest. And there is going to be a new faux fop this week. So Andy Peters who I have not had on the show for a couple of years, but one of my great mates from the US, Andy Peters, and I have been emailing back and forward about get, get doing a faux fop, so I'm going to record that tomorrow, so that will be up this week as well. Uh, and two guys, one cup. My club continues. Uh, Josh Earl is uh, the guy I'm currently talking to about the North Melbourne Footy Club, and then I think coming up this Friday is Shane D'Elia, uh, the Western Bulldogs' most famous celebrity supporter. I mean, I think he is actually ranked higher than me down at the club. <laughs> He does more stuff. He Plus does more get, stuff. They can get free delicious food from him. Yeah. What do you bring? Nothing. Yucks. Comedy they don't like. <laughs> Comedy where they sit there and go, I wish you were Carl Barron or Peter Hellier to a lesser extent. Go to tofop.com to check out all those great podcasts. But now, here's some mail. Or female. This is from Molly. Uh, to Colin Fop, love all your podcasts. I have a clinical doctorate in occupational therapy, but work in pediatrics, so call, So I am called Ms. rather than doctor. Oh. But now I have ordered my Tofop coffee mug to remind me I am a medical professional and as some type of doctor endorsed this podcast with the full authority of my degree and $300,000 in student loans that got me there. Thank you, Molly. I really feel bad. We should have given you the mug for free. $300,000 of loans. How does anyone pay that off? I mean... It's basically like having a podcast for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> we'll call it even. Uh, thank you so much. You provide a lovely vacation from the American media. Keep up the good work and the nonsense. It thank would be you, a Molly. vacation. We've talked a lot about Australiana the last couple of weeks. It has. It's been very Australian focused. And uh, obviously, um, you know, wishing well to everybody over in the US at the moment. Claire writes in, uh, Australian horse movies is the subject. Okay, great. Hey guys, glad to hear you back with a new episode and discussing great Aussie films. During your Australian horse movie section, I do believe that you missed a cracker being the Silver Brumby. The Silver Brumby. 1993 Silver Brumby. I was sitting sitting there waiting for that to come up because it also stars... Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe as the character... As the Silver Brumby. (laughs) G'day, give me some hay. I'd like a sugar cube, please. 
<laughs> I remember watching uh, it a lot as a child and then rewatched it recently with my daughter and found Russell being tormented and outsmarted by a Bromby over the span of a few years quite hilarious. <laughs> anyway, thanks for the laughs this week, Claire. P.S. Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, was originally human but got caught up in an explosion with a Kree and developed powers as a result. Ah, there you go. So what does that mean? Like she got exploded? Is that a word? Exploded? Yeah, she got exploded with a, an alien and then their DNA. Comic book science <laughs> does not hold up, does it? Like, she got exploded by an alien. I mean... Although maybe the alien's DNA reconstructed her. I reckon they probably gave more detail in the comic books than she just gave them. But I will say this. Uh, I've never seen The Silver Brumby. Have you seen The Silver Brumby? Uh, no, I remember it in the video store, but I don't think it was a huge hit or anything. Mm. I do remember... I do remember Russell on the cover. It was one of those, like when you work in a video store, often, um, you know, there'd be some B-grade film like The Silver Brumby came out in 1993. Then two years later, Russell Crowe becomes a huge star. And then they re-release that video, but suddenly the artwork has changed. Oh, <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. like the Brumby's just this big and it's just Russell Crowe, you know, like even though he's playing like a character in only four scenes. Well, I think, I, I don't know if they still do it on like Netflix. Uh, I know at some stage there was some trouble over the algorithms, but basically they would uh, advertise to you movies with the algorithm would recognize which star you were most likely to watch the movie. But there was some racial trouble with it. The algorithm didn't. Oh, oh because really? It was, you know, because, yeah. So they're never recommending anyone that's different to your race. Yeah. Well, basically, because it's based on your, uh, yeah, yeah, anyway, I, I don't, I don't know the full details of what ended up happening with it, but I know they had the technology to be able to do that sort of thing of going, hey, you like John Malkovich. So even though John Malkovich is like only really a cameo in this movie, you're going to get the tile that has right. John Malkovich on it because you're going to be more likely to watch it. I think those algorithms suck when you are doing some kind of hate watching or you know like you'll go on youtube and you'll just look up a bunch of right-wing videos and you get sort of stuck in this horrible spiral but then for the next two weeks you have to put up with being sent every alex jones clip and all that kind of weird shit uh, i've never done the the right-wing dive on youtube for that reason because right. i know the algorithm gets ruined but sometimes amy's been away it's it's obviously in the last year amy and i have pretty much been you know here together for the entire time you know i haven't been touring i haven't been away i've not really had any time in the house by myself and so she went away for a few days this week and so it was the first time really that i've spent any time alone here which meant that there was a couple of nights that i was on youtube like watching songs you know like that i wouldn't necessarily normally watch when she was there and then i would do dives and then what i realized is you then have to spend like a week looking up other things. Yeah, so to that cover we, your tracks. To cover your tracks. Yeah. <laughs> like, so she doesn't go, why were you watching like three deep dives on Phil Collins in the air tonight? Yeah. I'm like, well, it's that's totally, what I did. I'll often do that. Like I'll just go to some YouTube channels that I subscribe to and just do like a quick, like five clicks on yep. each kind of channel just to go, all right, get me back out of Alex Jones world and back yeah. to the videos I do want to watch. Uh, this is from Daniel. Uh, help slash advice. Hey guys, absolutely love the pod. I only just discovered them late last year. Two guys, one cup is the perfect footy pod. So I have this predicament in my life. My cousin is seeing a fortune teller and she is seeing things that are happening in my life with quite impressive accuracy. I have a bit going on at the moment, but uh, no one really knows the details. It has come to the point where the fortune teller has asked to see me as things about my life keep coming to her. Ooh. 
Do I go and see her and possibly hear my future, or do I go about it in bliss and ignorance and not know? I feel all I feel all movies say you're better off not knowing. I don't know if this is a good idea for an episode, but would love to hear your guys' take on it. Cheers. Um, I think go, but don't believe anything she says. <laughs> like if you go with the attitude of this is fun and maybe it'll help me think about the stuff that uh, that's going on in my life in a different way, but I don't necessarily think she's got the answers, then sure, why not? If you think it will help. If it's going to reinforce any negativity, maybe don't. And just for the sake of balance on the podcast, I'm going to say go and believe everything <laughs> and act only on what she says or he says for the rest of your life. Good marketing by the fortune teller to have one person mm. in your reading and saying, hey, your mm. cousin Jimmy, Johnny, mm. Jason, Jerome, I'm getting a- Justin, Stephen, Simon, Mark, Anthony, Clark, <laughs> Tobias, Jonathan, a- Johnny, John, John, Johannes, Jonas, I'm Jonas. Getting Jonas. a strong vibe that you also might have friends who would give me money. Because <laughs> yeah. when I say... You have a friend who will give me money. Who's the first person? <laughs> who's the first person who comes to mind? Who's the? Ri- I'm getting a rich friend rich of yours. A rich, friend. rich, dumb, rich, dumb gullible. I'm getting a real feeling that one of your friends is going through a lot of stuff at the moment. I don't know exactly what he's going through or she is going through, but I'm getting a vibe. Who are you thinking of? <laughs> and what are their numbers? Uh, we're going to finish with a, a, an old favourite, Will. Elias. You remember okay. oh, Elias? Elias, of course. From he the, uh, of the uh, 12. The largest horse in all of Norway. Kicked by the biggest horse in all of Norway. Uh, hi again, Will and Charlie. Great to finally have you back in my ear holes. To answer Sebastian's question, I am not aware of a joke or a rumour about shagging, uh, sheep shagging uh, in... In Ireland? In Ireland, yeah. Iceland. In Iceland, he's misspelled. Thank you. Uh, To bully the Swedes is a more common thing in Norway, and I am aware of jokes about Swedish people fucking sheep, as we established last week. It's always... Everyone's fucking a sheep. Yeah, that's right. Uh, But it is not as common as the Australian-New Zealand thing. Okay. More than because Scandinavian more sheep evolved. (laughs) (laughs) Here I was thinking it's a cultural thing. No, (laughs) just more sheep. But But there are countless jokes about people that live up north in Norway having sex with reindeer. (laughs) See, it's more about (laughs) it's whatever your domestic animal is. (laughs) I mean, we really should be kangaroo fuckers. Yeah, totally. The fact that we're sheep fuckers is actually offensive. Anyway, I agree that we should have rumors about Icelandic sheep fucking. So I'll start spreading them. Also, doing a Finding Drago-style show about finding the horse would not be a great idea because the biggest horse in Norway died over the Christmas break. What a bummer. Well, you know what that actually means, though. Exhume the body. (laughs) (laughs) Firstly. (laughs) How? Yeah. How did the horse die? This might be the mystery. Is there any details? Uh, Murdered? No, no. By the second biggest horse in all of <laughs> That's it's you know like it's always the husband or the partner that is the main suspect. Yeah. If the if it was a rival horse. If the biggest horse in all of Norway dies, I immediately point the finger at the second biggest horse in all of Norway. Well, he says we still have huge horses yeah. but not prize winning big. Mm-hmm. But it could very well be the fattest horse in Norway. If you want me to make finding Elias, I will cooperate. Um, that's a bummer about the biggest horse in all of Norway. That's really we barely we, we barely, barely had time you. to love the biggest horse in all of Norway before the biggest horse. Does in all he of get Norway sent was, to the biggest glue factory yeah. in all of Norway? I mean, this is one of those things too, though. If you were sus on Elias's story, yeah. where you'd suddenly be like, 
Hang on, what happened to your girlfriend? Show us in the Canada? bones alive. Yeah, dig up, I will not believe it. If we dig up these bones and these are not big bones. Yeah. Well, how do we? I mean, it's you're right. Like we cannot possibly verify this now. Yeah. So Elias, you're gonna Elias have to come killed up. the biggest horse in all of Norway. He's like, oh shit, they're onto me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Daisy. <laughs> I mean, what what could he do now? Like, so what, what do they do with, with dead horses? Do they bury them, burn them? Bury them, I believe. We've got a horse buried in our in our paddock down here. So it must be a fairly big hole, right? For the biggest horse in all of Norway. Yeah, I'd imagine. You have to so. put it more than six feet under. I can't imagine that you do. In fact, well, the horse that is buried was it was not our horse, and I think it was actually a donkey that it might have been. But there's a kind of a big mound, and like they've you know planted a sort of you know grave because it was a loved you know sort of you know pet, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know with horses what they would. I mean, I imagine ordinarily they probably make them dog food. Or yeah, I was going to say send them to the glue factory, as they say. You know, like but yeah, dog food that sort of stuff. You're going to see the. Most I mean, a lot of well-fed, well-fed dogs. dogs in Norway. <laughs> exactly, big big day for Norwegian dogs. But that does mean that there is now officially a new biggest, biggest horse in all of Norway. Well, that's oh, fuck. That's content. so Elias. Your yesterday's news. Yes, we yeah, need mate. to find. I want to find out who is now the reigning biggest horse in all of Norway. If anybody has any information on that, I would like that. Uh, uh, Elias continues, Funny thing happened after my appearance on Macho Flop. Mm. I have four older brothers who take much pride in being big macho guys. So when they heard that their much younger brother was in the finals of being the world's most macho man, they got offended. Mm -hmm. My older brothers over the summer made a giant slip and slide at the farm where I grew up. To make it up for them that I'm the most macho man in the family, could you please watch and react to this short video of their giant water slide? Thank you. Much love from your Norwegian friend, Elias. Well, that sounds like something we could uh, throw up on the Patreon, don't you think? Okay. so Us reacting to... Uh, oh, so we'll watch it and... We'll watch it and react. Yeah, okay. And you can find good. it on Patreon. So if you want to go to Patreon, that's patreon.com slash tofop. Bunch of great bonus content there. There should be a bonus episode uh, where we uh, do the Flat Earth uh, deep dive and uh this video will be coming soon thanks elias you just uses the the listener that keeps on giving content creator i like this this is a, a good idea okay yeah no we'll definitely do that i, I want to see this slip and slide yeah i know i mean because also but considering that we've got some doubts about the biggest horse in norway do you think this is just like footage of like norwegian dream world or something <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking more it's just like it's just some garbage bags in their backyard. They've just taped three garbage bags together. I mean, I've got a really good hill here. Like, you know, that paddock build. down there. Well, hang on. He didn't say it's the biggest slip and slide. No, he said they built a giant slip and slide. Yeah. We'll be the judge of that. Yeah, of just how giant your slip and slide is. And to see us judging that, go to patreon.com. I hope that's not on. how the horse died. <laughs> Can you imagine riding the horse down a giant water slide? Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Relax.